0: Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you eight minutes after the hour. Uh, let me uh, let me just start off by setting up a, a scenario for you, and that is uh, the uh, Democrats are going after what they call high-capacity magazines. Uh, the rest of us would think it's just a regular magazine, but they seem to think that somehow this is going to make people safer. Well, if President Trump biden signs an executive order he might be able to pull that off he might be able to go to the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms and get them to reclassify what we think is just a regular magazine uh, as somehow illegal and the path to that decision was essentially paved paved uh by Donald Trump when they went after bump stocks so it could happen now you have in Missouri the second amendment preservation act uh how does that how does that work uh does that save us from this kind of uh legislation we'll find out cuz we're going to ask Chuck Basie if that's the sort of thing the second amendment preservation act is designed for uh, we'll also find out about some of the pathologies that might develop from Garson over at Graffs where apparently they're just you know, selling magazines like crazy. They're, they're about sold out. Uh, and then we'll ask Dale Roberts about possible legal ramifications because he's an attorney. So we'll start off with Chuck Basie. Chuck, if the president does that, writes an executive order, tells BATF Uh, find a way to rewrite uh, the rules so that uh, a normal magazine is, you know, considered high capacity, unusual or odd, uh, and limit people to 10-round magazines. Would they be able to get local law enforcement in the state of Missouri to engage, to help them find those people, if the Second Amendment Preservation Act passes?
1: I I would certainly doubt it. Um, you know, they're it, it's very troubling just just to even think about this. Uh, uh, it, it would be such a problem for uh, law enforcement, in my opinion, to try and you know their hands are full of the way it is right now with uh, things going on in our cities and and uh, towns. So I, I would hope that the Second Amendment Preservation Act passes this year. I, I'm very confident that it will. And uh, but you know what 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 uh, Joe Biden and his uh, cronies in Washington, D.C. are going to do, who knows? I'm sure they're going to try and create as much havoc as possible on uh, law-abiding citizens, uh, Second Amendment-related. And uh, I I think it's going to be just a travesty on on trying to control this and fight back against it. But I would hope that uh, some of the pro-gun groups would immediately challenge that in uh, in court. And I'm confident that'll happen. So... If the Second Amendment Preservation Act
0: passes, then if, this, if the federal government wants to enforce this rule, they would have to send their own agents to every state that has a Second Amendment Preservation Act type of bill uh, that, that's passed,
1: because the state and local law enforcement wouldn't, wouldn't be allowed to touch it. I think that's correct. And, you know, again, that's uh, law-abiding citizens not doing anything wrong, not breaking any laws. And uh, we just want to be left alone. I, I include myself in that population. I, I have, uh, you know, I have a collection of firearms and these so-called uh, high-capacity magazines, and, uh, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong with them. Um, so just, I just want to be left alone, and, and I think the majority of people feel the same way that I do on that. So um, it... Uh, it, 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 you know, they always talk about all these crimes in big cities. Well, these people are already violating uh, a whole slew of laws. So they don't care what the law is; they're going to break law regardless. And uh, but uh, that has nothing to do with with my firearms and and also well that's, but, yeah that's the kind of common sense i would like to see the rest of the
0: government officials uh engage in uh let me uh, take this over to garson garson you said already there's a huge demand now for those ma- for regular magazines
2: you're you're selling them like crazy oh yeah we we saw a huge spike in web traffic just for magazines um af- after the shooting and once once they, one, especially after he mentioned executive orders and, um, some type of ban, um, and, and then, well, um, there's, there's a few, there's a few bills already in process that have been pretty scary, um, just to read through. So, yeah, I think anyone that's, that stays up on this is, is definitely worried. Do you guys have drums? We have some. In fact, I got a bunch more coming. I just got an order in, uh, with one of our suppliers earlier this week, um, I was able to secure a hundred uh, drums for uh, SR-25 style rifles, and a bunch more uh, Glock magazines.
0: So, if listeners today uh, are concerned that tomorrow these these uh-huh. magazines may become illegal, they should probably can they can listeners here in uh, central Missouri uh, call Graphs and and get a drum if they want one.
2: Oh yeah. Um. Um swing in the store and pick them up today. It looks like we're still, we still have some 30 round AR mags in stock. In fact, I'm looking at the website right now. Um, So, and well, we have imposed limits. So that's probably why um, there's mags back in stock. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure a bunch of people placed orders for the five that are allowed per order and then went back and placed more orders and we would have gone back and canceled those duplicate orders. Um, So that's probably freed up some of this inventory.
0: Yeah, uh, so I I would suggest you go to their website or go right to uh, Graff's in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, if you want a drum, get them while they're hot because you don't know what Biden and the Democrats are going to do yeah. uh, in terms of uh, uh, executive orders. But Dale, writing an executive order telling BATF, you know, just change the rules, uh, the path to doing that was, was taught to the Democrats... Uh, frankly, by uh, uh, Donald Trump when he went after bump stocks. And there have there have been some challenges to the bump stock uh, rule, but nothing has been undone, as far as I know. Uh, you know, what happens if,
3: it, you know, is there a way to challenge this as well? If, you mean, if the uh, president didn't execute or. Uh...
0: If, if the president, through executive order, tells the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, reevaluate magazines, uh, so that we can ban anything over ten rounds, wh- where do you where do you go with that? How do you challenge that?
3: You know, he'd have to find a way to do it. And I'm and you're right. I fear that President Trump laid the foundation for potentially doing that. Um, I was just looking at there's a federal section. Uh, The definition of a machine gun, for for example, a fully automatic weapon. And the definition includes, as one of the things that can constitute a machine gun, any combination of parts from which a machine gun can be assembled. And I think that'd be a tremendous stretch to to say a high-cap mag fits in with any combination of parts. But I... we've seen the atf go to great lengths in the past to ban things and then unclassify them and then reban them again so uh, it scares me to death the the things the mischief they can get into and as to how to challenge it i um you know i honestly don't know i mean that's a an executive order that may be within his authority and he, you
0: know, it, it's it, going it, to be it's going to be tough it's going to be expensive you need a big organization like the NRA or SAS uh, yeah. of America uh because the cost involved in challenging that you know it's going to end up at the supreme court at some point nobody is going to walk away and go oh okay we lost that round uh so you know, Find your favorite firearms uh, organization and support uh, support them because this is going to be costly. Let me grab a couple of phone calls because I am a little behind on those. I'll start with John. John, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Thank
4: you, Gary. Good morning, all. So my question is, since Joe Biden can sign an executive order and he's in charge of the executive branch, which is the ATF, in the Department of Justice and uh, previous bands under Clinton, uh, anything that you had purchased prior to the band was not illegal to own or possess. You just couldn't buy new ones of the, of, with the quote-unquote scary-looking options on it. They changed a lot of that. So my question is, is if you own 30-round magazines or you owned a bump stock and all that, is it legal to possess and legal to own, or uh, are they just going to make it to where it's not available to buy anymore? So, and it, are is, is executive owners, uh, orders only effective to federal employees? Does it affect the public? Like, he can't, I mean, you got to go through the House and Senate and write a bill to pass a law pertaining to me, but, but, federal employees, I mean, I understand he could ban them from being on federal-owned ground and stuff like that, but how exactly does that affect me as a private citizen already owning this stuff?
0: alright well, let's, uh, let's, and- uh, let's find out from Garson the sad answer to your question. Garson? So
2: When the ATF declared the bump stocks illegal, there was no recourse, there's no, there no, re- there no registration period to register them, and there was no buyback. So you just basically de facto had an illegal item, and you were told you had to either surrender it or destroy it. Um, that was probably, you know, the worst way to do that. You know, in the past, um, when, they, when they've when they taken something and, and changed its classification, they've, they'd have amnesty periods where you were allowed to register those items, and they did not do that this time. So they basically deprived law-abiding citizens of their personal property without any compensation or recourse, which... Is takings. unlawful? Is the, is the, is the yeah. worst part of that whole deal. So, depending on how they do this, if if they do it like they did in the '94 Clinton gun ban, they could they could say no new sales. But if they do it the way they did the bump stocks, and just declared illegal, you're SOL. There's there's nothing. I mean, we'll have lawsuits to go against. But I mean, if if it, if it goes through the way they intend it to, and that and that sticks. There's, there's nothing that we're going to be able to do about it. it
0: All right. Dale, uh, hang on. And, okay. Kevin, we're going to get to your call next. Hang on the line. You're uh, listening to Gary and Gunn's program on Hot Talk 9390. Hey, welcome. It is 24 minutes after the hour. Dale Roberts, state representative. Uh, no, he's not. He's with the CPOA. Chuck Basie is our state representative, Second Amendment supporter. And then Garson in from Crafts. Uh, and if you're looking for a high capacity, like a drum... Uh, or even magazines, you might want to jump on uh, going to graphs uh, or going to their website because it looks as though uh, President Biden is going to sign an executive order and go after those. Let me grab a phone call here, and then, you know what, before I get to Kevin... Very quickly, uh, Dale, you were about to say something, but I was up against the clock.
3: Well, I was just going to mention in terms of recourse on these reclassification of things, the Tenth Circuit, just within about the last, uh, I don't know, couple weeks, uh, Tenth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals rules that ruled that a bump stock is not a machine gun. And, of course, the ATF, ATF said it was. That's how they banned them. So the the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals has teed the issue up for someone to take it to the Supremes. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Does that, if, does that decision by that court affect the entire country? No. So <laughs> that, in theory, would affect you if you live in the, within the Tenth Circuit um, and if notice of appeal is filed, then the effectiveness of the, of the decision is put on hold, and it you know, doesn't have any effect at the moment. Um, and, you know, we'll see... In that area, it, in it, that right, district. Right, and Now, it, if, another,
0: if another court rules in the opposite direction and says uh, that it is, uh, in fact, a machine gun, you, you now have uh, two, uh, two courts, different decisions, that increases the likelihood that the Supreme Court will hear it. doesn't guarantee it, but it increases the likelihood.
3: Precisely correct. Yeah, if you get a circuit split, then the Supremes are more likely to say, well, we're gonna have to settle this.
0: Let's get to Kevin's call. Kevin, welcome, glad to have you on Gary on Guns.
4: Good morning, that was actually my comment that it just um, uh, was overturned in the Ohio uh, Federal uh, Court of Appeals for the the ban, which would be awesome uh, if they uh, got rid of that. Uh, not so much that I care about having a bump stock, but just the fact that they can just um, summarily say that something is a machine gun when it's actually just a piece of plastic and maybe a little bit of aluminum. Uh, it certainly, uh, on its own, doesn't make for a machine gun.
0: Yeah, especially when you can duplicate the exact motion, hooking your thumb on your belt loop. I mean, it's just silly.
2: I, I still think that's a smaller issue, though. The, the depriving citizens of personal property without compensation wasn't addressed, it and is- nobody seems to care about it. And I think that's the bigger issue.
0: Well, it is a big issue, but uh, having BATF arbitrarily decide what you can own and what you can't is a major problem too. They're both it, it
2: is, but you know the damage has already been done to anyone that owned one because they've either destroyed it or surrendered it to comply with the law. Or, so or- those bump stocks are gone. Maybe fell
3: in the lake. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you know, Gary, and for those following along at home, I misspoke. I can't read my own handwriting. It was the sixth circuit, not the tenth circuit. If yeah, they look Garson doesn't six and
0: ten on paper. Well, I'm looking
2: at Dale's notes here, and um, I think he's trying to summon um, Cthulhu. Um, I yeah, I can't make heads or tails of that.
0: Yeah, written by Stevie Wonder or something. I don't know. All right, Kevin, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Gary on Gun Show. Uh, we've got firearms uh, that Garson is going to talk about that uh, you'll be interested in. We'll do that in the next half hour, in fact, in just a few minutes. Also, this uh, Conig- uh, Coniglia, uh v. Strom case, uh, which I think is fascinating, and it does involve uh, what law enforcement can do. Uh, we talked briefly about this case once before. This guy and his wife were having an argument over a coffee mug, of all things. And he takes out his, uh, this gun. I guess it was empty. And he slaps it on the table and says, well, just shoot me. Well, she got upset with him. It, it got, you know, out of hand. She went to a motel. She subsequently called home to talk to her husband uh, and didn't connect and then asked the police to stop by uh, and, and uh, kind of check on him, see how he's doing. Well, they convinced him to, uh, to go get himself checked. Make sure that he was, you know, hitting on all eight cylinders, if you will. Uh, he finally relented and agreed to do that. And what happened subsequent to that is that law enforcement contacted the wife, even though the police had made a deal with Mr. Coniglia uh, about not taking his guns, They talked to the wife and talked her into going after those guns, which they took. Well, what the officers told Mrs. Coniglia is that her husband had consented to the seizure, even though he hadn't. And she led them to the two handguns that they owned, which were then seized. Despite Mr. Coniglia being immediately discharged from the hospital, police only gave back the firearms after he filed a civil rights case against them. Significantly, when police confiscated the handguns, they didn't allege it was to prevent imminent danger. Rather, they argued their actions were a matter of community caretaking. Slim exception to the warrant requirement in the Fourth Amendment. We'll cover that briefly, because we don't have a lot of time. Next, I'm Kerry on guns. Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. Hey, it is 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. State Representative Chuck Basie on board. Strong Second Amendment supporter. Uh, and a guy with a lot of common sense. Uh, we are also joined by Garson from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. We've been talking about getting drums and high-capacity magazines and regular magazines. Get them while they're hot, because it looks like the administration's going to try and ban them somehow. Uh, and Dale Roberts on board from the CPOA. Uh, he is uh, an attorney, among other things, firearms uh, trainer. So let's, let me go back to Garson to find out what he brought in from Graffs.
2: So I got lucky, or I guess you all got lucky. Um, I already own this gun, or I own a version of this gun. Um, we have a TP9SA, um, but we've got the new model twos in stock, um, which is a, uh, a, a the newer version of the gun I actually own. So I left I left the one we have for sale at the shop, and I just brought my personal gun in, uh, so you could look at it.
0: Well, that's but, good because now I won't <laughs> keep it. I, I'll just <laughs> pass it around the table.
2: Yeah. So um, these are slick little guns. It's, if you're familiar with the Walther P99 and the SW99, this is a clone of that gun. Um, the, the first version uh, did away with Walther's um, decocking button. The Model 2 brings back the decocking button. So you're able to um, um, go back to a double action trigger pull for the first pull in, in lieu of any kind of manual safety. Um, but these are slick little guns. They've got um, 18 round magazines um, and and 17 round magazines. Uh, the one I got came with 18s. The standard flush fit one comes with seventeens um, and so the best part is this is a cheap gun. Um, I mean they're under they're right around 400 bucks and they're I, I would consider them to be a mid to high level gun. Uh, they're they're made in Turkey so that's why they're able to get that price point so low. But there, I mean, there's nothing really lacking on these guns. Um, the, the the one I have has three replaceable back straps. It came with um, um, three or four different mag release buttons, so you can change that out. And mine's cut for an optic, so it comes with plates for the optic. Um, and I've got a Burris Fast Fire on this one. Um, and it shoots, it shoots as good as guns that I've paid twice as much for. Um, so
0: it's not really a cheap gun. It's an inexpensive firearm. Yes. Uh, but not cheaply made. Um, good feature,
2: feature rich, and I guess um, I guess the Turks know what they're doing it when it comes to making, uh, making guns and hitting a good price point. But, I mean, these, these have been hot guns for a couple of years now. Um, so I was kind of surprised that they even went back to the older design with the uh, decock button, because um, that's going to make it uh, a little more difficult to put an optic on. But um, solid gun. I've had mine for three years now. Uh shot some matches with it, did fairly well. Um still getting used to the optic on it. Um I'm I d tend to have to hunt for the dot too much, so I just need some more trigger time with it. But great shooting gun, um, very ergonomic, has a good feel to it, and the triggers are amazing. Um I don't think I've I've picked up one of these where the trigger wasn't um a good clean crisp breaking trigger. Um, I, I'd say this feels, it has the feel of, you know, a two and a half pound trigger. Um, I know it's heavier than that, but because it breaks so clean there, uh, it just, it just feels so much lighter than it actually is.
0: And, and the caliber you want to make sure everybody knows.
2: Uh, uh, these are nine. Um, I actually don't remember if they make that available in a 40 or not. Um, but nine is a, you know, with the way they've
0: advanced, uh, uh, ammunition, nine mm is a pretty good round and pretty easy to shoot. All things considered, uh, so very much so.
2: uh, um, though. A good reason to have the forty though is in in some competitive circles, they they rate your shots based on the power factor of the ammo you're shooting, and forty makes power factor easily and is and is only moderately harder to control than the nine.
0: Um, if uh, if anybody's interested uh, and they buy that firearm, do you have nine millimeter to sell them with the firearm
2: there there's a little held back for the gun or for the purchaser of the gun
0: So I go down there I buy the firearm I'm not just walking out with a club uh, I've got uh, something I can put in there and shoot indeed uh, always important good thinking on uh, on your part
2: uh, anything else you want to share um we got I didn't have time to snag any of these, but we've got three Italian um rifles from Sabati. Uh three of their Sapphires have come in. Uh, we've got a 30 out 6, a 65 Creedmoor and a 243 in stock. Um, the um 65 and the 30 out 6 are threaded for a brake or suppressor. So awesome little plus there. Um, they got really nice looking uh wood stocks. They've got a Picatinny rail on the gun from the factory. Um, good looking wood. Um, They've got good, clean, crisp triggers. Um, Detachable mag on the 6.5 Creedmoor, and I believe the .308. Um, I didn't actually pick up the .243 uh, since it wasn't threaded. But um, just for my initial impressions off these new rifles, they're um, pretty slick and worth checking out.
0: All right. It sounds like uh, it's well worth a trip to Mexico, Missouri. Uh, and uh, in, and investigate uh, those firearms. And, I, I like the, yeah, the 9.
2: I, I don't want to cause a stampede, but there, there were an AR or two up there, the one really? I left yesterday.
0: That's impressive, because <laughs> uh, you realize that uh, you will cause a stampede now. <laughs> uh, I love the AR. It's a terrific platform. It's flexible. Uh, it's easy to shoot. Um, it, it's a great rifle, uh, and the bad guys are coming after him. So if you're interested, Graffs, Mexico, Missouri. where to, That's the place to go. Uh, let, me, uh, <clears throat> let me bring Dale back in on this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And hey, we don't have a lot of time for this, but we'll try and shoot through this as quickly as we possibly can. Um, Ed Caniglia uh, grabbed a handgun, put it on the kitchen table when he and his wife were arguing. and said, why don't you just shoot me and get me out of my misery? That led to more arguing, and eventually she spent the night in a motel. She phoned her house the next day. She didn't get an answer. She called the police in Rhode Island, asked them to conduct a wellness check on her husband and to escort her home. The police, however, did not conduct the check, according to the books. They then insisted that Mr. Coniglia go to the hospital for an evaluation, though Mr. Coniglia refused emphasizing his mental health wasn't their business. He agreed only after they promised that they would not confiscate his guns while he was away. Furthermore, officers then told Mrs. Coniglia that her husband had consented to the seizure, and she led led them to the two handguns that they owned, which were then seized, despite Mr. Coniglia being immediately discharged from the hospital police only gave back the firearms after he filed a civil rights case against them. Significantly, they write, uh, when police confiscated the handguns, they did not allege it was to prevent imminent danger. Rather, they argued their actions were a matter of, quote, community caretaking, which is a slim exception to the warrant requirement in the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. So we'll talk about that and Get Dale to explain it uh, and get his opinion on this next on Gary on Guns. Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. It is 48 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. So they this couple get in an argument. Uh, The husband slaps the gun on the table and says, just shoot me. Take me out of my misery. Uh, The wife gets so upset she leaves the house, goes to a motel, calls the police. The next day when she can't get the phone, uh, her husband to answer the phone to do a wellness check. Uh, The police convinced this guy to uh, go get, you know, a mental evaluation. He says, uh, finally, he relents and says, I'll go, but promise you won't take my guns. He goes and turns around and comes back home. They release him right away. His guns are gone. Why? Because the police told the wife. He said it was okay to to confiscate the guns, and she showed them where they were. Uh, He had to file a lawsuit to get the guns back. The police are arguing they had a right to do this under community caretaking. This is uh, something that was created about 100 years ago, uh, so that if law enforcement, for instance, um, have to tow your car off the highway, they don't have to get a warrant. Uh, And and this guy is arguing, this is in my house,
3: you needed a warrant. Dale, is that community caretaking? Well, so community caretaking, I mean... I think they might have had an argument that they were exercising community caretaking to take his guns in while he was in the hospital. But A, the hospital released him and said he's not a, he's healthy, he's not a threat, he's fine. And B, the one of the principal points of the community caretaking is that it is meant to provide a brief and limited, you know, as if you have to say those both, brief and limited seizure for the purpose of rendering aid. You know, you have a car wreck. You're, I, I had a car wreck. They took me to the hospital. Trooper ha, was an acquaintance of mine, said, you know, I'll take your forty cal. Let me know when, you, when you're out of the hospital. Three hours later, I was out. He brought it to my house and dropped it off. Um, that's community caretaking. And he, and he did it because he said, you know, a handgun in a car in a tow lot, you know, in storage might disappear. It happens. That's community caretaking. And so, you know, I could argue that you know the guy was was going to the hospital. They didn't know what was going on. Wife didn't want the guns, or maybe she did. They could seize them for a day until he got out. But it, as I said, it's meant to be brief and limited. Well, and- without a warrant, without a warrant,
0: essentially, what they've said is uh, that they can go into your home, not just your car, uh, and that that wouldn't fit under community uh, caretaking.
3: That would be a violation of the constitutional right. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. And that's the thing, you know, community caretaking was meant, as I said, you know, you have a car wreck and they're going to take the contents of your car or something of that, something to that extent. And arguably, uh, you know, wife calls police, you're going to the hospital, they'll hold your guns till you get out. You get out the next day, they return them the next day. And the decision below in the Coniglia case Uh, And that was the First Circuit. Um, That decision really expanded the powers of law enforcement under a community caretaking doctrine to go beyond what was ever intended in terms of a small exception to the Fourth Amendment prohibition against uh, unlawful search and seizure.
1: Chuck, would you agree? Yeah, It sounds very reasonable what Dale just said. Um, I I don't know if we've had any issues here in missouri dale have we that you're aware of
3: not that, none that have hit the um, course like this i mean I, this is i think pretty egregious you know yeah, um,
0: yeah I, I tend to think so too garson i'm assuming you're on board with uh, the the challenge that uh, they should not have taken the guns
2: no definitely not
0: all right let's go grab some phone calls here john is on the line john welcome to gary on guns how are you this morning
4: very good guys got, got a very good conversation going this morning you know I was telling about something else, but that community caretaking also would be if you were in the hospital or in an ambulance to make sure that your 40 cal or whatever you have is secure and it's safe. So somebody doesn't take it or steal it from you as well, Uh or do harm to others. So I would have to say, I would think he did a very good job. I'd like to get back to this uh, house bill 85 to me, the whole thing is a rights issue where someone in another state or in D.C., or which I guess that's another state of mind, period, uh, they want to determine what your rights are or what you can have as your rights, which is totally different than what our founding documents gave us. So I really hope that that House Bill 85 gets through uh, to protect our rights. And, and it's not the rights of the criminal, the man that wants or woman that wants to hurt you, is to protect the, the good people. So, I don't know what else to say about it, but I sure hope that thing passes.
1: All right, John, thank you. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Chuck, you want to comment on that? Uh, not uh, necessarily, but I, I think we, he made a very good point. Um, you know, we we need to do everything we can to protect our, our rights. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's, uh, it's our right to... To uh, keep and bear arms, but it's under attack constantly. Not only in Missouri, but from the federal level, uh, level now. So, um, we we need to do everything we can to protect our our constitutional rights. That's why we reelected you, Chuck. That's
0: what we got you there for. Let's go back to the phones, Chris. Welcome, glad to have you on Gary and Gun.
4: Well, amen to that. Uh, you know, a little lighter note here for you <laughs> at the end of the show. We talked before about how Hollywood portrays guns in a bad way, no matter what. Uh, I had a laugh last night. Things have changed in Hollywood, but was watching an old gun smoke. They sent some expert from Washington to, like, audit the marshal and his duties. And the guy says, well, here's the problem. Everybody's carrying guns, so we're going to put up posters. Everybody turns in their guns. Didn't go over too well. By the end of the show, they got a bonfire in the street and a pile of feathers. They're getting ready to tar and feather this guy from Washington. (laughs) And the marshal shows up, and they go, you can't do anything about it. There's more of us than you. And, by the way, you can't shoot us. We're unarmed. Kind of put him in a, you know, checkmate. So he says, okay, you turn him loose, I'll give your guns back. And uh, everything went back to normal. And I thought, you know, at least they kind of understood it back then, didn't they?
0: <laughs> All right. Chris, <laughs> All thank right. you. Glad to have you and Gary on guns. Uh, you know, Chuck was chuckling in the background there. I, th- I think uh, he, re- he-, he watches Gunsmoke.
2: <coughs> I do.
0: Uh, <laughs> I enjoy that show. Well, it's yeah. a good show. You know, I, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I found a Western channel on uh, DirecTV T V. Uh, and it had all those westerns that my father used to watch when I was a kid. Uh and I started watching them. Have Gun Will Travel and and Wagon Train and all of those. And they were really pretty good. When you when you think about it and and uh, they didn't have the CGI technology to do the stuff they do today and they weren't politically correct I I really did enjoy them. Let me go back to the phones here and get uh is Gary did did, did Gary call earlier this morning, Brian? No, I did not. Okay. Welcome, Gary. <laughs> hey, uh, just a quick
4: question. How many other states are, uh, I would assume they'd be Republican states, are passing laws to protect their uh, gun rights from the feds? So far, Missouri?
0: So far, I've seen about three or four other states uh, that are actually looking seven, at Missouri legislation. Eight, eight. to co- What?
2: It, it's seven or eight. Is it up to uh, eight? Between Dale and I. And Texas is working on one now. And I, w- I heard a I heard a guy from Texas that was on that saying that they'd provide that legislation copy to anyone who was interested in it.
3: From from what I looked at last night, states that have, past tense, passed Second Amendment protection, Utah, Kentucky, Kansas, Montana, Texas, Illinois, Oregon, Florida, and Arizona. Did you say Illinois. Uh, yes shockingly now the the extent of that a this is from from a, the 10th amendment center's webpage and b you know their version of a second second amendment act and what it does and mine can be drastically different there's yeah, a,
2: well if it's illinois it probably only protects higher ups in cook county
3: exactly <laughs> i was going to say there's a uh, i think there's a john ashcroft writes you know john ashcroft constitutional bill in the missouri legislature that was named after john ashcroft but i think he would not agree with it at all if he saw what it said so you know legislators do that sort of thing
0: well i do know for sure three or four states that are looking specifically at missouri's legislation Uh, if that's up to eight or nine i know other red states are interested in doing it um, and hopefully that will help protect people around the country. I'm kind of pleased with the legislation uh, and the legislature for, for pioneering this and pushing forward. Thank you, Gary, for the call. Uh, Garson Graffs, thank you. And uh, Chuck Basie, also Dale Roberts. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. Seize the day. Carpe Diem, go on, baby. I am coming home.